0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to worship here at Northminster Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. Whether you are joining us in person or online, we are glad that you're here this morning. If you're visiting with us, this is your first time here. We offer you a special word of welcome and hope that you will join us in all aspects of our worship service, including communion. This table is open to all because it is God's table, not Northminster's table, not my table. And you will find instructions in your order of worship if you need them. We would appreciate it if you would fill out and pass the attendance register. You'll find in the center aisle end of each pew, just so we have a record of who is worshiping with us this morning. And as we begin our time together this morning, I'd like to highlight a few things. The first is to ask you to continue to be in prayer for our whole prayer list, but particularly for the Aro and Thomas families. We got good updates, hopefully you saw those come in your email this week Um, for both of those families, but of course, continued prayers for them. I also want to make sure and emphasize our August mission uh, project, which you will see the notes for that on your insert. And then a couple of things about worship this morning. As a reminder, through the month of August, we're going to be using different versions of the Lord's Prayer during communion, so you will see that on one of your inserts, so do make sure and have that to hand when we get to communion later. Uh, I also want to point out a couple musical notes. The first is that uh, the middle hymn, God of the Women, is on your insert as well. And when we get to our final hymn, An Oldie But a Goodie, we're going to be singing stanzas one, two, and four. So if you sing stanza three, again, you'll be singing a solo. All right, now I'm going to ask, as we begin our worship, that we take a deep breath together. In just a few moments, we're going to do a slightly different call to worship. You'll see that Uh, There will be a canter and a response from uh, just follow along with that. That should be pretty clear when we get there. Debbie's going to help us through it. But before we get to that, let's take a deep breath. And we take this deep breath to settle ourselves into this time and into this space. If it helps you to close your eyes, feel free to do that. But take a deep breath, let it fill not just your chest, but let it go all the way down to your toes. And as you breathe out, breathe out your to-do list. Breathe out that dread of going to school in the morning for some of you. As you breathe in, breathe in the goodness of this good place. Breathe in the peace within these walls. Bring in, breathe in the love of your church family. As you breathe out, breathe out distraction. As much as you can, breathe out your worries that you brought with you today. And then let us worship God together. As Abraham welcomed the strangers, so God welcomes us. God greets us with joy and says, rest here a while. God brings out water to wash our dusty feet. God prepares a meal to nourish our weary spirits. So let us receive the gracious hospitality of our God. Let us rest in this holy place where there is shade and water, food and laughter. Most of the time I write my own prayers, most of the time, but as we live life together you're going to notice that every once in a while I will borrow from other people whose words I appreciate or who say things in a way I wish I had thought of. This is one of those mornings and I'd like to share with you a prayer inspired by one of my favorite modern writers and thinkers, Sister Joan Chittister, who some of you might be familiar with. So let's pray together. Dear God, creator of women in your own image, born of a woman in the midst of a world, half women, carried by women to mission fields around the globe, made known by women to all the children of the earth, give to the women of our time the strength to persevere, the courage to speak out, the faith to believe in you beyond all systems and institutions so that your face on earth may be seen in all its beauty so that your children become whole, so that the church may be converted to your will in everything and in all ways. We call on the holy women who went before us, channels of your word and testaments new and old, to intercede for us so that we might be given the grace to become what they have been. For Sarah, whose life with you wasn't always easy, for Esther, who pleaded against power for the liberation of her people. For Judith, who routed the plans of men and saved the community. For Deborah, lay woman and judge, who led the people of God. For Elizabeth, who recognized the value of another woman. For Mary Magdalene, who ministered to Jesus and was the first evangelist of Christ. For Claire of Assisi, who confronted the Pope with the image of women as equal. For Julian of Norwich, who proclaimed for all of us the motherhood of God. For Teresa of Lisieux, who knew the call to priesthood and herself. For Teresa of Avila, who brought women's gifts to reform the church. And for Dorothy Day, who led the church to a new sense of justice. Mary, mother of Jesus, who heard the call of God and answered, Mary, mother of Jesus, who drew strength from her cousin Elizabeth. Mary, mother of Jesus, who nurtured the body of Christ within her own body. May we be as bold, as open, and as nurturing as you. And may we draw strength from all of these women of faith on whose shoulders we stand. Amen.
1: Army as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran for the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves. Under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham ran into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf. Tender and good, and gave it to the servant who quickly prepared it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where's your wife Sarah? And he said, In the tent. Then one said, I will surely Return to you in due season, and your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, I have grown old, and my husband is old. Shall I be fruitful? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. But the Lord said, yes, you did laugh. (laughs) An ancient story of complex family dynamics. Thanks be
2: to God.
0: Let's pray together. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And may we hear a word from you today. Amen. The following was written by Sarah, woman of God, mother of nations, and wife of Abraham, to her son Isaac, so that he might understand his mother's experience before his birth. Where is your wife Sarah? I froze just inside the tent, and the pitcher of milk I was holding sloshed with my sudden movement. Why were these visitors asking about me? I tried not to second-guess your father's hospitality, but Abraham had gone above and beyond for this trio casually lounging under the shade of our oaks. They were enjoying the best of what we had for that's what Abraham offered them. And while I didn't share his conviction that there was something special about these visitors, I have long respected his generosity. But I did wonder what he'd gotten us into. There was no reason for the stranger to be asking about me. Abraham was their host. They had no need of me. And if I'm honest, their question, where is Sarah, made me jumpy and suspicious because I'd been wondering the same thing for a long time. Abraham offered the obvious answer, she's in the tent. And of course he was right, physically, I was in the tent, in this place that will always feel foreign to me no matter how many decades I live here. Physically, I was by his side as I had been for decades. But emotionally, spiritually, at that moment, Those felt like impossible questions to answer, all because of a promise. You should know that up to this point, God's promise had never been made to me, only to your father. For years, it felt as though God chose not to speak to me, just about me. As though my barrenness only existed between your father and God, as if we hadn't uprooted our lives multiple times because the Lord commanded it. All the while, our God promised Abraham that he would be the father of nations through the child I was to bear him. The first time Abraham told me of this promise, it seemed miraculous. He was 75, I was 65. Childless for so long, we knew we would need divine help to have a family, and we were overjoyed to finally become parents. So we waited, and waited, and waited. 24 years passed. Your father and I weren't even what you'd politely call older parents. We were elderly people. And the thought of having a child had become laughable. In fact, after God's last repetition of the promise, your father did, in fact, laugh. He told me the story later and said he fell on his face, he laughed so hard. But picking himself up, wiping away his tears, Abraham reminded the Lord that he had a child. your son, His son, your brother, Ishmael, born to him from our slave Hagar. Now to be candid, hearing Ishmael's name made my heart clench. For the conception and birth of that boy brought out the worst in me. It took me years not to be angry at your father and Hagar, and not to resent Ishmael. Despite it being my idea, your father's ability to have a child with Hagar made me feel like even more of a failure, and I know it damaged our relationship. But despite my efforts to convince God that Ishmael could fulfill the promise, despite your father's efforts, our Lord insisted that my child would fulfill the covenant. God even went so far as to name you. He told us your name in that moment, and the last small bit of hope that I carried in my heart crumbled. I thought I finally understood the joke God was playing. You know, don't you, that your name, Isaac, means he laughed or simply laughter. Well, I was convinced God gave you that name because the Lord was laughing at my emptiness, laughing at my inability to give your father a child, laughing at me. I knew your dad didn't agree. He, wouldn't, he would have told me not to say such things. He would have dismissed my certainty that God's promise was nothing more than a cosmic joke from a capricious deity. But such was the distance between us that I kept my thoughts to myself allowing my perception of God's intentions to eat away at me. I became so bitter. Then three strangers appeared, and I found myself standing just inside our tent, milk jug in hand, when I heard the voice of our visitor. One of them said to your father, I'll be back here this time next year. When I arrive, your wife will have a son. Before I could stop myself, laughter burst out of me like a spring. I covered my mouth immediately so they wouldn't think I was eavesdropping, even though I was. But I couldn't help thinking, an old woman like me getting pregnant with this old man husband of mine? This is ridiculous. Somehow, in my outburst, I didn't spill the milk, but as I backed away from the tent flap to finally set the pitcher down, I heard the visitor ask your father, Why did Sarah laugh, saying me? Have a baby? An old woman like me? Let me tell you, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. How did this stranger know what I was thinking? I edged back to the tent flap and snuck a peek outside. Abraham looked as confused as I felt. Still looking at the visitor, your father said, excuse me, the visitor continued, Is anything too hard for God? I'll be back about this time next year, and Sarah will have a baby. I don't really remember what happened next, but whatever force had been holding me in place evaporated. I marched out of that tent before I was conscious of taking a step. Stopping inches in front of the stranger, I snapped out. I didn't laugh. It wasn't my best moment. (laughs) and I'm still not sure why I felt the need to lie. Maybe fear played a part. After all, it's terrifying to realize the stranger lounging under your oak tree can hear your laughter and your thoughts. It's terrifying to realize that stranger is the Almighty. But the truth is, asking why I lied isn't the important question. Asking why I laughed is. For the answer to why did Sarah laugh tells you infinitely more about me at that point in my life, about my pain, my disappointment, my exhaustion with a broken body, I could not figure out how to inhabit my knowledge that I was a failure. Why did I laugh? Because I was weary of hollow promises and waiting for God's timing as if as I felt my body aging daily. Why did I laugh? Because I was the reason your father and I didn't have a child. I laughed because I was frustrated and angry. My barrenness made room for resentment and hurt to fester between me and your father. In, a, in our efforts to have your brother, we had only succeeded in further damaging our relationship. Neither of us knew how to fill that void. So why did I laugh? Well, you know the old saying, it was either laugh or cry. Then a miraculous thing happened, and I know what you're thinking, Mama, you've told me this story a hundred times, I know I was a miracle, I'm the carrier of God's promise for our family, I know. And that is certainly true. But the miraculous thing I'm speaking of is how God responded to my lie. For in all the times I've told you this story, My precious boy, I don't know that I have ever shared that God simply looked at me and said, no, but you did lie. Calmly, without anger or an ounce of frustration, our creator acknowledged my lie. But more than that, God finally looked me in the eye after years of being the object of a discussion without being part of a discussion and spoke to me, to me, For the first time and in that moment I knew the Lord saw me in my brokenness in my heartbreak in my despair for the first time I was confident the vastness of my disappointment and failure were fully understood by someone else with five words I was laid bare with a look I was known and as your father left with the Lord to show him the way to Sodom, I was confident that both my laughter and my lie were understood as the protective armor I had been wrapped up in for so long. That day, that very moment, as those men walked away from our oak trees, I let that armor fall away. Not all the way, but slowly, Over time, I was able to shed my old self like a snake sheds its skin. Eventually, a new Sarah emerged, a new Sarah who finally understood the power of God's promise was calling me. Me, a barren woman in her 90s, toward a future that wasn't a fantasy, but God's reality. God cut a covenant with your father that required Abraham to make physical changes to his body. God cut a a covenant with me that required I laid aside years of defining myself one way, to define myself the way God saw me in that moment by those oaks. My covenant required me to trust, to have faith in a promise and in a God who exists beyond my ability to comprehend. Of course, you know the rest of the story. A year later, I did have a child. You, my precious, impossible boy. It has been the joy of my life to be your mother, dear Isaac, for every time I look at you, every time I speak your name, I remember my laughter. At first, it was a bitter laugh as I stood frozen in that moment in that tent with that milk pitcher, hearing the Lord's promise once again. Then I was changed, and my laughter became something different. No longer bitter or heartbroken, my laughter became an expression of my covenant with God. That's why your name is so perfect for you, my Isaac. For every time I speak it, I give honor to that covenant. Remember what your name means, my son. Remember my story. And never let your resignation take the place of God's promise. As we begin this service of communion and gather around God's table, we honor Creator and Creation. We celebrate the table fellowship of Jesus, because here at this table, all are worthy and all are welcome. As we receive the fruits of the Spirit, we celebrate the communion of all things. Creator, Christ, and Spirit dance as one, so may it always be. And let us pray. Hang on a second, sorry. Apologize, I didn't listen to my own instructions. Let's pray together the prayer that is printed on your insert. How deep within you are, how how high high above, above, how far beyond. Your name be hallowed, your new creation come. Your way be followed everywhere. Give us bread to share. Forgive us the wounds that we have caused, and help us forgive those who have wounded us. Do not let evil exploit our weaknesses or hold us in bondage. But let your grace heal and free us. Your love sustain us. Your spirit enlighten. Your wisdom guide. And may our last word to you always be yes. On the night that he was handed over while at supper with his friends, Christ gave us a pledge of love that does not go away with death. On that evening he took bread, he gave thanks for it, and he broke it giving it to his disciples and saying, take and eat all of you. This is my body surrendered for you. And then when supper was over, he took a cup and he filled it with wine. Giving thanks for it, he shared it with them, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the seal of the new covenant, my poured-out life. I will drink this cup with you again at the table of joy in God's new day that is coming. And whenever you do these things, remember me.